Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Thanks for joining me for another Blunt Business here on CannabisRadio.com. And I appreciate all of you joining us here in the program. This week, we're doing something very different. I never really uncover much about myself as the host of the program, but I'm going to go ahead and wrinkle uh, un, uh, wrinkle one little piece of fabric to give you a heads up of myself and why I know so much about what we talk about on the program every week, because I produce the programming, the bulk of it, many of the programs here on Cannabis Radio, including the ones that I host. And the thing is, is that, through all of our conversations and all the preparation and all the materials I go through on a regular basis every week, we go through and we are always constantly trying to go ahead and be at the tip of the spear. Signal away from the noise, understanding what's going on in the business of cannabis on a regular basis. As you know, we always talk about compliance on the program. And after we did a recording for Richard Zwicky's program, The Green Peak, a future, upcoming episode, Afterwards, we did a little bit of shop talk and he tipped me off to a call to action that has not been published about and has not been discussed about at all. And that is when it comes to compliance, when it comes to pesticides, as you know, we've talked about in Nevada and California, there have been various issues where there have been some recalls of cannabis because of the pesticides that were used on them. Well, that is a state matter. And while there might be other governing bodies out there that handle this part, one of the governing bodies that has not been very aggressive or very disciplinary on the cannabis industry has been the Environmental Protection Agency, the EPA. And so Richard tipped me off to the fact that it's one of those areas that he notices because of his work in the world markets. He did a lot of work in Latin America. He's one of the people that for, to help sign off and create the framework of the cannabis industry, the medical cannabis industry in Peru, and also doing work in Colombia, among other markets. And in Canada, he also where he is based. So the thing is, is that he sees this as becoming an issue that nobody in the cannabis industry is talking about. The EPA cracking down on pesticides. And it's not just current day. It's also referring to past actions. Think of the Roundup lawsuits and think about the fact that just because of the fact that the pesticides are being used and they might be taken away, it doesn't take anything away from the companies from being cited or charged or reprimanded for using these pesticides. I'm going to just go ahead and play about a 25-minute conversation that Richard and I had off air and I got Clarence to Richard. We're going to go ahead and run this now and I'll come back afterwards just to go ahead and put a little wrapping on this whole conversation. But I want to go ahead and play this for you right now. And we're going to start with my conversation with Richard. Richard explains the situation to me. Here's what, here's what's happening is like 
California, they all talk about the testing and that they're so good on testing. The problem is that the facilities, a lot of them are right beside, I'm just saying, strawberries. I know they're by artichokes. There are all sorts of things, but strawberries. Right. You're allowed to spray strawberries with um, pesticides that aren't allowed or you wouldn't use on cannabis because they can't be washed off. But they're not prescribed under the regulatory framework for cannabis in California because you wouldn't use it on the plant normally. But because so many of the grows are partially or, you know, they're not, they don't use pure filtering when they're bringing in the air, they're blowing the pesticide all over the cannabis. It sticks to the cannabis. But when you have it on strawberries, it washes off. And that's how they end up in compliance is they all, all the strawberries have to be washed as part of the process. When you then take it and you smoke it, you're smoking a pesticide that is known to be carcinogenic, but they don't have to test for it because they're not it isn't one you'd normally use on canvas. Therefore, they turned a blind eye and didn't put it in the regulatory framework. And you've got a lot of that across a lot of states because they don't want, they're trying to, of course, get the tax revenue, but also, you know, they're pushing the, the ball down the field to somebody else's problem. The APA is not going to care. That. I've heard yeah. about Nevada having the issues where they had pesticides and they had to go and recall products. Right. But they're not testing for all the pesticides because they don't have to. Ooh. And that's the big problem that's going to happen with the EPA is these all these places are not in compliance. They don't have the systems in place. And so they're sucking in this outside air. But there's not been implementation of the rules yet. They did for hemp. Right. Because hemp, but hemp, they you basically turn into isolate, the true hemp. Right. And it's not a problem. And to have people call hemp flour, it's really a cannabis flour mm-hmm. that's below 1%. It's not in the same... Uh, framework. Oh boy. Right. So you, there's a, that problem is going to just destroy most of the producers because so the EPA isn't going to care. It, you think there's going to be an, instead of the states policing it by themselves now, EPA is going to come in and a blanket. Yeah. Just like if you wanted to, you know, just like for meat, yeah. right? There's a regulatory framework. You have to apply, you have to provide the proof. Mm-hmm. You're going to run, you're going to have to provide samples. None of it's going to pass. So let me ask you this. When we're doing, we should talk about this shit, man. We should do a blunt business on this, honestly. Uh, and we can. A lot of talk we've had on the blunt business was about good manufacturing practices. Mm-hmm. Do those practices adhere to these kind of, uh, would, they, would no. they cover? No, because GMP is once the product is received in the warehouse and goes into manufacturing, but GMP by itself doesn't guarantee anything about the quality of the product. It just is that they're adhering to a standardized practice for how it gets processed. And there's nobody right now that's actually following the plan that does take care of this. Correct. They're all exposed. And this is where I was chatting with uh, Ryan in Arizona yesterday because You've got, a, you've got a situation where you have all of these producers. They're all exposed. They're going to all be exposed to liabilities they didn't think of. Their insurers didn't think of. I, I haven't really clued in for whatever reason either, but you know that could just be. Um, and the day it happens, now they're all liable. So somebody says, I started coughing after smoking a product. Prove it, that it wasn't a problem. Not prove you didn't start coughing. Right, right. Right. And so liabilities are going to just be enormous on these firms 
unless they've taken, and this is where I, there's an opportunity, unless they go out and they secure a, um, a report which identifies any of the deficiencies that need to be addressed and they put in place a program to address them. It doesn't mean they have to have it finished. It just means they have to be aware of the problem. They're still in compliance with all the state requirements, but they know that there will be a challenge in the future and they're mm-hmm. taking steps to mitigate it. Because it's not federally legal, um, they can't just say, we didn't know and we didn't care. Because uh, as you saw with, you know, people saw it with Roundup, you'll go back 30 years. Yeah, You should have known. There was no way you'd, if you'd actually kept your eyes open and noticed, well, I'm spraying this on my strawberries next door, my neighbor is, you should be aware of that as a farmer because you're aware of it for every other product you grow. So there's no way you didn't. But if you've put in place and if you've done a report and it gives you a, a, a list of mitigation strategies that you can put in place for your facility, then you've protected yourself against those liabilities. Right. It doesn't mean you're going to be able to grow the day after the EPA comes in, but you're going to know what you need to do. And you're going to probably already take a lot of the necessary steps. But every one of these growers, they could say, well, we'll conform the day it happens. The problem is they're sucking in the air from outside. They're pumping it over the plants. Wow. It's sticking to the plastic. It's sticking to the glass. It's sticking to the t- tools they use. And but they probably won't do anything about it. They probably won't do anything about it unless they learn what the penalties are. I mean, that's the one thing is they don't know yeah. what the consequences are yet. The consequences are the same as Roundup. Wow. They're knowingly using the equivalent product and putting it on the cannabis that people are smoking. Jesus. Right? And that's going to be a disaster. Now, it's going to mean that everybody's going to be turning to import overnight while the U.S. industry and the growers try and figure out and look at their facilities and wonder – how many hundreds of millions of dollars are they going to lose rebuilding them? You're going to have some craft producers, but you know, all of a sudden you're going to have a massive change in the entire supply chain because the international producers have to comply because they're already at that stage, right? I had to deal with that down in Colombia, the Canadian ones. That's one of the reasons they lose. I said 50, it's about, you know, sometimes it's 70% of the crop. It's oh. because there's a bug that gets in. And they multiply and breed because you're not allowed to do anything. But the product comes out and it's higher grade than organic because you're allowed to use less pro- less compounds on the plant than you would under organic row. Right. And it gets tested for everything, right? But so, nobody's sounding the alarm on this. I can't find any stories about it. No, because they don't look at the EPA. Everybody talks about the FDA and the processing, but they All don't right. go back and go, well, what about the production end? You know, like he said, they threw lettuce in there and then they had heavy metals. Yeah, because you you throw lettuce into fields to actually clean up the pollution yeah, and it extracts all the heavy metals. You can consume it because you, you dump it out at the end. It, it's the way it, the body works. It's when you breathe it, it's a problem. If you eat it and in a, in a leaf like that, it's not going to be a problem. But if you use it for cannabis, you're concentrating a concentrate. They got lucky they caught it. Yeah. But that's because metals are one of the things that are tested for. A lot of the pesticides aren't. You hear about tagging, you hear about testing. Uh, you know, I remember how many people we've talked about that. We're talking about RFID tagging, tagging for yeast, mold, and bacteria of every product, yeah. but again, no metals. 
Yeah, because they test for what they need to. And you look at the state regulatory frameworks, they specifically don't include, um, and it varies state by state, but they don't include a lot of the common pesticides that are used on their major agricultural grows. But now these compliance officials don't have to say anything either. Like there are no state boards that are going to do anything about this right now because, of course, they're bare minimum. But there's also all these compliance consultants that also, they're not paying attention to this then. No. No. And that's where I see an opportunity. I can't go do it all because I'm not in the States and I can't go running around finding all the clients. No, Um, but you can report on it. Yeah. And I have a team who I can pull in to do all of the analysis and the site visits and prepare. I mean, you should use the podcast right now to talk about that. We should talk about this compliance issue that's, that's overlooked. Yeah. Yeah. Cause these, you know, that type of report, it's expensive, but what's the value of a, you know, Richard, nobody's, nobody's being penalized for it yet. Yeah. How soon does that happen? Like you said, it could always do like what it's like. It can also be like Monsanto or it can be like ground up. It could go back, you know, it could be rolled back, but that's exactly. the problem. Nobody's thinking about that yet. The the, the, yeah. the dangling care right now is descheduling from one to three. Oh, look, we won't have two eighty e issues anymore. That's what people were. Doing. I was talking about these days. Yeah, yeah, they're so short sighted. They're not looking I past know. the end of their nose because they're looking for it. Oh, we're going to get a break on taxes, yeah. and you're you're going to exactly. pay that somewhere else. You're going to have to put that and divest it into something else. Mm-hmm. Just wait and see. I get it. Yeah. It's but, going to be so much more expensive for them to produce. They're not even going to realize they're not what hits uh, them. They're not going to know what hits them. I don't know what they're going to do next. Then I think you know. I think the producers, if they knew what the hell was going to hit them, they'd be lobbying against uh, rescheduling. But now, how much? And this is where it comes down to: they don't spend enough money on lobbying to yeah. get things done over there in, in in DC to even avoid this, or even to go lobby the fucking EPA. They're not. Yeah. No, but the EPA is not going to give a damn. They don't care if you know. Anybody comes in and says, we want you to allow uh, usage of this carcinogen on our product. Now, are, are there any, is there any documentation directly from EPA that's out there publicly? That- yeah, the EPA publishes all the standards. Uh, all but right. they can't publish on cannabis because, because cannabis isn't federally legal. But you can look at what they apply to tobacco and other things that are going to be consumed that are similar. And well, then that- compare it against the state regulatory framework for what's allowed and not allowed. But what is it about so far that they haven't done anything with it yet? That's the whole thing, too. EPA can't act until it's federally legal. Oh, okay. Well, all right. But then this is where it goes to my thing, where it's like, at least they'll have a three- to five-year moratorium on it. No. The day it's legal, the EPA has its rules already in place because it has them in place for every, other, for every product. If you have a flower product that's going to be consumed, it's already defined. If you have a leaf product that's already going to be consumed it's already defined and there are some testing labs just to give you a heads up there are some that do say that they do hold certifications for epa testing methodologies yeah methodologies but not necessarily the compounds they test for the compounds that are defined in the state regulatory framework there we go right so there's a lot of interesting wording interesting now is this something where they're just going after just because you know, is it is it like something almost like a, as like a thumping of climate change? Is that part of what the reason is for this? I understand. Well, you know, because you're when they're talking about things now, like um, EPA wants to go in, you know, put new standards on ozone pollution. Sure. Or it, it various issues where I'm wondering if there's just something where if, if this is if the if the if the awareness is something where they're just doing it because they just need to 
crack down even more on cannabis just for the personal onus for that? Or is it something else? No, no, it's not. They're not even talking that they have. They, it's just in the regulatory framework. They're not going to have to devise anything special for cannabis. It's there for every other plant and every other consumable. They're just going to apply the the regulations they have. And they can't go and say, well, you're allowed to smoke tobacco that is loaded with pesticide. No. And you can't smoke cannabis either that's loaded with pesticide. It has to be to the same standard. Okay. For instance, like microbutanol, me, they're allowed 30 parts per, per let me, million. Let me put it like this. Yeah. Say, I'm, I'm just going to – I just want to yeah. play devil's advocate for this real quick. Yeah. All right. So, for instance, in New York State, and I'm yes. going from J.D. Supra, you know, the legal side always talks about this. They talk about the regulations restricting the use of pesticides of those registered by the Department of Environmental Conservation or that meet the EPA registration exemption criteria for minimum risk. So there's 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 been some compliance yeah. issues where they have – Minimum risk pesticides. Right. Is there something about that there is there just a list that these companies should be adhering to and they're not because the state's not telling them to? Yeah, because so you get tobacco, right? You yep. use it, you process it, they wash it, and it goes. So if you use the tobacco regulations, like so microbutanol gets used, you're allowed 30 parts per million. Once you turn it into a um, a product in medical and around the world for cannabis, it's 30 parts per billion, but that's a different story, but that's because it gets concentrated. You don't concentrate tobacco, right? But the standard is different because now you've got a product which is going to be concentrated and all of the contaminants get involved, but also you don't use the pesticide on tobacco that you do on strawberries, but even if you did, it washes off. Mm. So you don't have to worry about testing for it. And you don't have to, even if you have it in the prescribed list, you're not worrying about it because it doesn't matter. But in cannabis, you handle it differently, right? So you you have contamination by pesticides, which can be used legally and can be used on all sorts of products. But because of the way they get processed, they don't come off of cannabis. So they are getting right through the supply chain and they don't have to be tested for at the different stages because that's not what normally happens. But it would be if it was truly under EPA guidelines because it would be there and it would be showing up and it would be showing up at every stage. And they would say, no. So the FDA already has their own processes when it comes to cannabis and how products need to be derived as medicine under the Federal Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act. Yes. So but the EPA... As I said, in New York State, they just give where well, they just have this exemption risk. But there's these low, these lower risk pesticides that are out there that they're allowed to use. But the EPA, they're just going to come in after the fact and then finally put apply standards, and they're going to roll back those standards for any offenses. They're going to apply the federal standards that are in place for every other industry. Because they can't, they can't yeah. give New, you know, what they can't really give New York much of anything. People can say they do whatever, but the EPA is precluded from saying anything because right. they only have a federal mandate. That's odd. Wow. You know, I could take this right here and use this into talking about um. This is an episode of Book Business by itself, just by using this recording. Yeah. And I'm going back and looking as well. Say, okay, because going back, the one story I could find, San Francisco Chronicle, June 2022, there was mm-hmm. a court that ruled that EPA ignored its own evidence on risks of Roundup. And then when they talk about cannabis, let me look what they said right here. 
it, they don't say anything about it. We're going to take a commercial break. We're going to come back and continue this clip of me talking with Richard Zwicky from the Green Peak radio series here on Cannabis Radio. We're going to go ahead and continue on with him and more of his conversation on the EPA and their eventual crackdown on pesticide use and why companies need to be aware of it. We'll be right back. Rolling into some sponsors, but we'll be right back with more Blunt Business. Welcome back to Blunt Business. I'm here with Richard Zwicky, and we're talking about the issues surrounding possible EPA involvement with the cannabis industry over pesticide use. Here's more of my conversation with Richard, which was originally off the record, but made on the record just for Blunt Business. Ninth U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals did not require the EPA to ban Roundup, but the court right. ordered the EPA to discard its findings that the main component that was being serious was, was poses no serious risk to humans to conduct a new assessment and give proper weight to scientific evidence by October 1st. So even the Roundup thing, you know, they couldn't apply. Like the, A Circuit Court of Appeals pushed back on EPA. Yeah, Probably until, they have, until they're the federally for. legal and EPA really has a jurisdiction. So now, what would it what would it be like if Roundup's able to go and get the courts to push back with lobbying money? Same thing can happen now with cannabis. Yeah, then they need to go and have a war chest ready to push back. Mm-hmm. They because need that's the thing. Chest, Even though they can apply, to, right? Yeah, but they can push back against the historical. But how are they going to say, "Oh, but going forward, we should be allow allowing tainted product into the market." See, and the thing is, they had a chance to do this before because there's here's the thing. All right, uh, California health officials had cancer warnings placed in the state, and there was an 80, 1986 ballot initiative mandating warnings on products likely to cause cancer or reproductive harm. And a federal judge blocked the labeling order before it took effect in 2018. And that there was one, one person that was asked about this I don't see how EPA could lawfully issue the same approval without more restrictions on use. It would be great if there was an outright ban, but I'm not going to hold my breath. Right. So they cannot ultimately, EPA maybe doesn't have the pull to block any of these pesticides from being used, even though they can go ahead and make the warnings and the threats. But they don't have the jurisdiction until it's federally legal, really. Mm-hmm. Their jurisdiction is recommend, is a recommendation level until they're, it's federal, and then they have the absolute right. So like, um, what is it, DIPO, what's it called? I just looking up all even. Uh I can't even spell it. Diclopropane is allowed to be used on strawberries as a spray, uh-huh. but it washes off. It's a known cancer-causing agent. Jesus. Right? The problem is you're spraying it right by the cannabis plants, but it isn't. And it's the third most heavily used pesticide, right? But it isn't washed off in cannabis. And that's where it comes from. Like, well, and that's where I always thought about that when it comes to legalization, that's why I always thought the original idea of going state by state, the States Act was the better choice because we don't want federal oversight. And this is a great red flag that tells you people that are asking for descheduling or asking for federal legalization across the board like Canada did. No. Now, what has Canada done about that? Have they had that same issue with their own version of EPA? That's why Canada has, I mean, that's one of the reasons why Canada has grows so heavily controlled and tested and why products, you know, are thrown out. Um, there was a years ago, um, 
You're going to tell me about canopy? Canopy Trust. No, Canopy oh, yeah. and Emerald both bought facilities outside of Vancouver. And they spent over $100 million. They were former tomato production greenhouses. Wow. They converted them over to cannabis. Canopy went first. Emerald never even, you know, never got quite as far. But let's talk about Canopy. They converted it over to cannabis. They brought in 100,000 plants, let's say. And they grew. And they tested at the end. And everything had to be destroyed because they discovered, oh, we have a problem because they are spraying next door. And it sucks in. So they refitted the facility, grew, and discovered, oh, it sticks to everything inside the facility. We have to change all the glass, all the plastic, all the surfaces, you name it, get it completely cleaned out. Now, I'll tell you this, too. The other problem that we can keep talking about with legal cannabis, here's the other wrinkle we can take out of this, too. Yep. Journal of Cannabis Research and Highest Times wrote about this last week that in Canada, they were talking about there was evidence of the presence of pesticides in the legal versus legal cannabis from Canada. So the market, they all have pesticides. Yeah. All of them. So they talked about here, they looked at 327 pesticides, multi-residue method, uh, and they compared 36 samples gathered from the licensed dispensaries, 24 from illegal, and they said 92% of the Canadian illicit cannabis influenza samples had 23 unique pesticide active ingredients. Yep. If it doesn't so, go, and the challenge is the governments start taxing the legal product. <clears throat> yep. Right. They, but the illegal product doesn't get taxed. So, of course, the consumer goes, buys the less expensive product at dispensaries, thinking, well, it's going through the channel, so it must be safe because we're federally legal. Yeah. But the problem is, no, that doesn't cut it. And the government's trying to put the taxes on as opposed to worrying about getting the product right first and everything in line in the industry and then allowing it, right? Even in California, when you had 5,000 growers apply for licenses and 500 got them, the other 4,500 didn't stop producing. Wow. Their product just doesn't get tested. Oh, and then the, story the California standard, right? 6% of the license samples tested positive for pesticides uh, that included diclonabil and microbutanol. Microbutanol is commonly used in a lot of them, and it's allowed under 60 parts per billion in Canada and 60 parts per million in the U.S. Um, it does. It's not a problem if you're smoking the product because when you when you smoke, you're combusting it, and it it's killed. It is it's rendered inert. It's a problem when you're using it for extracts or you know distillate isolate anything like that because then it gets concentrated growers producers people in the supply chain want to learn more yeah i'm happy to help them right it's a it's challenges we had to overcome in other markets to mm-hmm. get compliant product it's not it's not something that's unique to the us market it's a an issue worldwide especially as you know you've got agriculture everywhere you've got growing everywhere you've got product use and there are mitigation strategies to make sure that people get essentially, you know, in cannabis, we don't, we need to think of it as whether it's going to the medical or the recreational channel, you're taking an agricultural production and having to transform it to a pharmaceutical grade in terms of purity and cleanliness to ensure the safety of the consumer. Whether it's going into the medical channel and pharmaceuticals eventually or recreational, we all still need to consume a pure, clean product. And, you know, we're trying, people who are in the medical side, 
they're doing that to try and alleviate people's pain and suffering. If we don't have a clean product, we're creating pain and suffering. We're just moving it, changing what it is and making it a lot worse. And that's my conversation with Richard Zwicky. As we talked about here, this is why the constant conversation of pesticides, <clears throat> which is now another wrinkle in the component of compliance and why companies need to be more aware of compliance than ever. Because one of the things that will be very important, and this was mentioned in the conversation, is that once cannabis is federally legal, the EPA will most likely take action or begin the process. Now, they've done their things when it comes to hemp. And we talked about that here on the interview in this conversation. But I'll tell you, it's something that really caught my attention. And as soon as Richard started talking about it, it piqued my attention. And I felt it was incumbent upon me where we were going to go ahead and re-record this conversation, but it came out so good. And as soon as I started hearing him understanding what he was saying, that's when you heard me starting to go right into prep and looking into information because I needed to go ahead and play devil's advocate. I wanted to make sure that I got other context to, to either, you know, understand what was going on in this conversation as well as trying to figure out why would this be happening to the cannabis industry if this is going to be the case? Now, this is not an immediate issue. This is being proactive. And I think more than anything, this industry really needs to be a proactive of their approach, of their processes. And I mean, if they're going to do that for their growth trajectory and their business plan, then their day-to-day -day processes and the quality and assurance of the product they're serving the public needs to be put into even a more stringent guideline. And I hope this conversation helps to do that. Thank you for listening in. And I hope all of you really appreciate, I hope you appreciate the chance of me bringing this out to you. Thank you for listening to Blunt Business. As always, we'll talk to you next time. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited.